0: Well, I too would like to say that I am impressed with everyone getting up and out after having that hour taken from you. Welcome to Christ the King on this first Sunday in Lent. You can get your trophies before you go out today. They'll be in the back. Now, I, I kid on that. Let us uh, pray together as we begin. Heavenly Father, you bid your faithful people to cleanse their hearts and prepare with joy the Paschal Feast that fervent in prayer and in works of mercy and renewed by your word and your sacraments, they may come to the fullness of grace, which you have prepared for those who love you. And now, Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning and welcome to Christ the King. Today is the first Sunday in Lent and we are beginning a new Lenten sermon series today called The Road to the Cross, where we will be looking at the passion of Christ leading up to the crucifixion and leading us into the resurrection of Easter morning. This morning we will look at the suffering and agony of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane Gethsemane, which means olive press. Gethsemane is in the Mount of Olives across the Kidron Valley from the Eastern Gate of the Temple. And there it is the garden where the olives are pressed. And it is an olive grove. And here they are pressing olives, number one, for oil. The first pressing of which is first fruits to be dedicated unto the Lord for the anointing of prophets, priests, and kings. The second pressing of the olives is for the healing and sustaining of the nations, for food and a little oil and wine in a wound will promote healing. And the third pressing of the olives is good for burning in our oil lamps. So Jesus, the great high priest and prophet, is being pressed as he prays the first time for the anointing of us, prophets, priests, and kings, the second He is being pressed as he prays for the healing and sustaining of the nations. And three, the light of the world is being pressed and poured out to be a light to all people in the Garden of Gethsemane. We will be looking at his invitation, Jesus' invitation for us, his disciples, for all of us to join Jesus in the fellowship of his suffering. You may follow along in your sermon notes on page 11, There are notes there. In 1997, my sister-in-law was in the hospital facing surgery and she was not doing well at all. She was diagnosed with lupus an autoimmune disease, which was leading her into the valley of the shadow of death. The night before the surgery, I was woken, midnight, one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning, I don't remember exactly. I was awoken by Jesus asking me to get up go to the hospital and pray for her and for my brother. I did it. I got up, found a chair outside the hospital room after I had gone there and quickly fell asleep mid prayer. I woke up to my brother's greeting that morning. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. My sister-in-law pulled through and our family found God and God's blessing in the midst of this suffering, through going through this suffering. A year later in 1998, I found myself in the hospital again. This time my father had coded due to heart failure and was put on life support. When I arrived, I just did not leave. I slept in the waiting room waiting for days there to see if and when he would pull through, that I would be there. One night asleep in the waiting room, I awoke to the cries of a woman nearby calling out, help me, help me, somebody please help me. I was angry that I was awoken, and I staggered towards the voice to see why no one was helping this lady and to see if I could do something to quiet her so that I could get back to sleep, you see. When I found her room, I prayed over her, and she became peaceful and quiet, and I staggered back to the waiting room to get some sleep. I really like my sleep. My dad uh, pulled through, and I was able to say goodbye and hold him when he ended up dying shortly after. Um, I don't remember. if I think it was months, but we were all there. And I was able to say goodbye, and we came to know God in his suffering, in and through this suffering. In 2015, on a study tour of Israel, I found myself in the Garden of Gethsemane on the Mountain of Olives, looking west over the Temple Mount at the Eastern Gate. Behind me was the Judean wilderness to the east where Jesus was tempted by Satan. Our lectionary reading today is the temptation of Christ in Matthew four, can also be found in Luke chapter four. And Jesus spent 40 days in the Judean wilderness being tempted by Satan. He knew that wilderness like the back of his hand. To the north of the Temple Mount, to my right, was a Roman fortress, which would have had a military presence in the time of Christ to keep the Jews and any rebellious forces in check. It dawned on me for the first time that Jesus saw his betrayal and arrest coming. It was at night. He was there praying in the garden. And as he was praying, he saw about one-tenth of a legion, about 600 men with torches coming for him, either through the Eastern Gate or around the Southern Steps or the Northern, down the hill to the Kidron Valley, across a river which would have run blood red during Passover and up to the Mount of Olives, It is not surprising to me that the physician Luke, when he records this account, says that blood came out of the pores of Jesus' skin as he sweat in agony. And I believe it's because he sees what's about to happen. He knows, Father, if it be your will, that this cup, this cup of God's wrath, that he would drink it on our behalf. He would have seen them coming From a long distance away, he could have run. I would have run. The Judean wilderness, which he knew well right behind him. Jesus had a way out, but he chose the way through. No one took his life, he laid it down. No one likes to suffer. If we're honest, most of us want to escape our sufferings, if we could. Because Jesus did not escape suffering, but walked through it, we can ultimately escape the sufferings of this world, both now and into eternity with his help. Like Jesus, we must pass through sufferings of this life. And we must bear the cross of the sufferings in this life, so that we may gain his resurrection life. Jesus entered into the agony of the garden, and Jesus said to them, My soul is very sorrowful. Even unto death, remain here and watch. And going a little further, Jesus fell. He fell on the ground and prayed that if it be possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, All things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Jesus did in the garden of Gethsemane what Adam and Eve could not do and did not do in a perfect garden paradise. Adam and Eve said, not thy will be done, God, but our will be done. In contrast, Jesus said, yet not what I will, Father, but what you will. Jesus embraced the full brunt of God's will and the suffering and the agony in the garden of Gethsemane. Jesus invites us into the agony of the garden with him, so that we might live the resurrection life of Easter morning with him. In Luke 9, 22 through 25, Jesus said to his disciples, the son of man must suffer greatly and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the scribes, and to be killed on the third day. Elsewhere in the prophets, It is written, you strike the shepherd and the sheep will flee, they will run. Jesus suffered, was rejected, and was killed and then raised from the dead to defeat suffering and to give us life in him. Then Jesus said to all, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, And follow me, for whoever seeks to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake, the same shall find it. For what profit is there among you or with you to gain the whole world and yet forfeit himself? A man is no fool who gives up that which he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Without the agony in the garden leading to the crucifixion and death, there is no empty tomb. There is no resurrection. Without Jesus' suffering and death, there is no ultimate freedom from suffering or eternal life for us. However, most of us, myself included, we want to avoid suffering. Many of us don't even know how to suffer well and may not even know what suffering is, myself included. We think that suffering is sitting in traffic and sometimes in Northern Virginia, it can feel that way. We think that it's waiting on hold with Apple Care. That was me this weekend. It felt like suffering. Maybe it's looking for that special parking spot standing in line, and we feel like we're suffering. Many of us are intimately acquainted with suffering. We suffer daily. We have had or are currently experiencing real suffering and hardship in our lives, many of us in this room right now. And if you are not, praise God, but if you live in this world, suffering is coming. We are experiencing the agony of the garden in this life, and we want to avoid it. We want to escape it. We don't want to experience it anymore or ever again. There are many ways we can try to avoid suffering. I'm going to talk about four. There are many responses to the agony in the garden, to suffering. Number one, we can try to flee suffering through escape, denial, addiction, passivity. There are many addictions, drug addiction, alcohol addiction, sexual addiction, workaholism. I recently watched the award-winning movie, Bohemian Rhapsody, which is the story of the band's Queens lead singer Freddie Mercury. The story of this life, of this rock star, is an example of flight over fight and escape over the mountain in an effort not to suffer and not to be alone Mercury sought the pursuit of pleasure in his extravagant and sensual lifestyle he sought after the pursuit of selfishness and self-centeredness in the end this lifestyle tragically ended in his death Mercury's method of escape killed him We can also sleep through our suffering. Number two, we do this through numbness, fatigue, denial, apathy. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Denial, as it has been said, is not just a river in Egypt. If you were like me, as I was sharing earlier, you like your sleep. And when we love our sleep, we can miss what God is doing around us. We orchestrate our life in such a way that it does not inconvenience us. We do not experience the suffering of our neighbors in Chirilagua. We sleep through the opportunity to suffer ourselves and to suffer with people who need our love and care. We can miss what God is doing, even in the sufferings of this life. If we are not careful, we can numb ourselves, we can sleep right through what God is doing and our sufferings and the sufferings of those around us, the sufferings of our neighbors. Many of us are suffering right now because of daylight savings time. And you may even be asleep right now, good morning. Wake up. We can fight suffering, number three through our works-based salvation, trying to save ourselves, to exercise every resource in our power to exercise control, through our anxious and futile strivings and works. We in Northern Virginia, we are the best, the brightest, the most well-paid, the best educated. We have good health care, the best hospitals, and we believe that we can control our lives and escape our sufferings. We can finance our way out of it. We believe this. See, Peter drew his sword and he cut off the high priest, Malchus, the high priest's servant, Malchus' ear. He chose fight over flight in his effort to avoid suffering. Peter tried to save himself and Jesus from the suffering that he was about to endure. I had never thought about it until studying for this week's sermon, but had Jesus not healed Malchus's ear, there would have been a fourth cross. Have you ever thought about that? He drew a sword. See, in our own power, efforts, and control, and anxious, futile strivings and work, we try to avoid suffering to escape it. We do not want to enter into the agony of the garden with Jesus. Give me Easter, but don't give me the garden. Give me Easter, but not Good Friday. Tim Keller in his book, Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering, which I have been reading in this week in reflection upon this passage. He says that no amount of money, power, planning can prevent bereavement, dire illness, relationship betrayal, financial disaster, or a host of other troubles from entering your life. Human life is fatally fragile and subject to forces beyond our control or power to manage. Life is tragic. The fourth option, we can enter into suffering. Following Jesus, and entering into his work, the work that he has already done, it is finished, in the agony of the garden, in the sufferings and in the deaths and in the hardships of this life, so that we might experience his resurrection life. Jesus calls us into the agony of the garden. He welcomes us into his sufferings three times. Three times Jesus calls Peter, James, and John. There was the 12, the crowd, the masses, the 70, the 12 disciples, and three intimate disciples, the closest of which to Jesus was John. But he called three times three specific disciples. He calls Peter, James, and John to come away with him in Scripture three times, which mirrors Paul's words in Philippians 3, 10 through 11, which I will share with you shortly. Jesus calls these disciples away to the Mount of Transfiguration, which David preached on last week, the Mount of Transfiguration, which John Palafutis referenced in our Ash Wednesday service. Jesus called these three disciples away, Peter, James, and John, on the Mount of Transfiguration so that they might know him. Jesus called these three into Jairus's home so that they could So that he could show them the power of his resurrection. He raised up Jairus' daughter from the dead in that house. That they may know his power and the power of his resurrection. Thirdly and finally, Jesus calls Peter, James, and John into the garden of Gethsemane on this night so that they could share in the fellowship of his sufferings. This calling away of Peter, James, and John by Jesus mirrors Paul's words in Philippians 3, 10 through 11, that I might know him, Jesus, transfiguration, and the power of his resurrection, Jairus' daughter resurrected, and that I might share in his sufferings to become like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Jesus is calling us into the fellowship of his suffering. Jesus is calling us to take the road to the cross with him. Jesus is calling us into the agony of the garden so that he might lead us to the emptiness of a tomb and another garden where his resurrection life has bloomed. Jesus wants us to have life and goodness and he has provided salvation for us. He is for us. He has done it. It is finished. In walking with God through pain and suffering, Keller says it this way, suffering is unbearable if you are not certain that God is for you and with you. See, we can trust Jesus, and we can face the agony of the garden in our lives because Jesus has ultimately taken on our sins, sorrows, and sufferings once and for all. He drank the cup. Just as as an aside, you remember when James and John and the mother of Zebedee says, Rabbi, Rabbi, let let one of your, my sons sit at your right hand and one at the left. And Jesus warned her, this well-intentioned mother, wanting two powerful positions at the right and left of Jesus in the kingdom. He says, can you drink this cup that I'm going to drink? We can drink it. We can drink it they thought. But on this night, everyone fled. A little aside, Peter, James, and John. Well, James and John, the sons of thunder, James was the first disciple to die for his faith in Acts. Not the first martyr, that's Stephen, but the first disciple to die. And do you know that John was the last? Jesus is welcoming us into the suffering. Keller also says only when our greatest love is God, a love that we cannot lose even in death, can we face all things with peace. This love of God is assured in God's love for his son, Jesus Christ, and in God's great love for us by allowing his son to suffer and die for us. He walked through the agony of the garden to get to the cross in order to die for us that we may know him in the power of his resurrection. After the Passover meal, which Jesus celebrated with his disciples in the upper room before the agony in the Garden of Gethsemane, it is customary for the Jews to sing a hymn And verse 26 of Mark 14, it says, they sang a hymn together and they went to the Mount of Olives. See, this happened before the disciples would flee and betray him within a matter of hours. What song did they sing before the agony in the garden? You ever wondered, can we know? What song were they singing? as they left the Passover feast. Well, what songs were sung before Jesus was arrested in the garden, beaten savagely, illegally tried, stripped, scourged, and crucified? As was custom by the Jewish people, at Passover, the Hebrew people would sing psalms of praise, psalms of Hallel. They sang Psalms 113 through 118. And I, I commend those to you in your devotional time. Please read Psalm 113 through 118. Before the agony in the garden and the suffering death that would follow, Jesus and his disciples sang the last psalm of the Hallel collection. Psalm 118. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say, his steadfast love endures forever. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Save us, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God, and he has made his light to shine upon us. Bind the festal sacrifice with cords upon the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will give thanks to you. You are my God, I will extol you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his steadfast love endures forever. The turn of events in the garden leading to the cross were so shocking, the disciples who survived the night would never get over it. The scene was so gruesome it appeared that evil forces had carried the day, and yet the disciples had just pronounced that God was in complete control. As they sang this last hymn of praise from the Hallel collection in Psalm 118. And then they entered into the agony of the garden. In what ways are you being called to the garden of suffering in your life this morning so that you may be crucified with him receiving his resurrection life can you sing with Jesus this morning before entering into the garden with him this Lenten se- season today and always may you know Jesus And the power of his resurrection. And may you share in his sufferings. And may we become like him. In his death that by any means possible we may attain the resurrection from the dead. Amen? Amen. Pray with me. Merciful Father, you have taught us in your holy word that you do not willingly afflict or grieve your children. Look with pity among us and our sufferings and sorrows. Of all of us, your servants, for whom our prayers are offered, remember us, O Lord. In mercy, nourish our souls with patience, comfort us with a sense of your goodness and the promise of resurrection life. Lift up your countenance upon us and give us your peace. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, Amen.